you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What an introduction. Oh my goodness. Movement Church, I am so excited and honored to be here with you guys. Pastor Kerry, thank you for that intro. I was not expecting that. Man, high standards. Here we go. Hopefully I live up to them right now. Church, I am so excited. I am honored to be here. I see so many friends and family and church members here that that I believe, we say it all the time at our church, when God's people gather, God's presence shows up. And I could feel his presence during worship. I can feel his presence with us right now. So I'm excited and expectant for what it is that he wants to do today. So if you're with us today, Come on, let's get excited and expectant. For those of you tuning in online, we love you guys. We believe that God will meet you exactly where you're at right now as you're listening. Thank you for joining us. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you guys today. Well, I do want to take a second. Our church has always been and will always be a church that honors all. And we would not be here today. We would not have been able to survive COVID without the strength the vision and leadership of our pastors, Pastor Carrie and Megan Church. Can we give it up for them right now? Come on. For those of you who don't know, we had to move the studio in our church at least eight or nine times during COVID. And it has been a process. Pastor Carrie and Megan, the sacrifices that you guys have made that people don't see behind closed doors is the reason why we're still here. So thank you guys for your vision. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for believing in me and believing in this church. It's an honor and a privilege. Well, hey, if you're new with us and you haven't been around for the past few weeks, we're currently in a series right now called Walking with Wisdom. And I'm excited about this series because our pastors are unpacking the profound wisdom that's found in the book of Proverbs. But today, we get to take a commercial break from that series. <laughs> Pastor Carrie and Megan decided, you know, they, our church needs to hear from somebody who is truly walking with wisdom. So here I am, baby, live and in person. <laughs> Man, I wish, I wish that were true, but anybody who knows me knows that experience has been my best friend. I've had to learn things the hard way quite a few times. My dad, he's in the room right now somewhere, he said, son, you are a Lemus, and us Lemites tend to bumble through life and bump our head on just about every rock and wall that we can possibly find. And I'm like, thanks, Dad, I received that, I guess. Appreciate the genetics. <laughs> but it's true. So I'm loving this series. It's been phenomenal. I'm gaining a lot of insight and wisdom from the book of Proverbs. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, go back to YouTube or download our app and check them out. Be here next week. We're going to pick it up again. But we do get to take a commercial break today, and I get to talk to you guys about something that God's put on my heart. And we did just a second ago honor the men and women who died fighting for our freedom, because this is Memorial Day weekend. That's right. This is Memorial Day weekend. And as I was thinking about this weekend and the significance of it, man, I hope that everybody here has plans to barbecue, hamburgers, hot dogs, go to the pool, go to the beach and hang out and enjoy the freedom that we have. 
But we can never forget the men and women who died and sacrificed so that we have that freedom. So freedom. Freedom is what God put on my heart to talk about today. And I'm excited because I was wrestling with it. I was like, freedom, man, we have it. It's accessible to us. People sacrifice their lives for us. We have freedom. And that's amazing. But why is it that so often I don't feel free? Why are there times in my life when I get stuck in the negative thoughts that I'm thinking or the anxiety and the emotions, the depression, things that I might be feeling or the desires that I have, things that I want so desperately that aren't good for me? You know, studies have shown that over the past COVID season, all of this stuff has skyrocketed. Negative thoughts, negative feelings. A lot of people have been feeling prisoner to those things. But we have freedom. So why is it that people don't feel free? Well, I love to start with the definition of the word. It says the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. The power or right to act, think, or speak as one wants without hindrance or restraint. So you can say whatever you want to say. You can think whatever you want to think, and you can do whatever it is that you want to do at any point in time. That sounds amazing. Man, when I was 15 years old, I wish I knew that. I would have told my parents, like, yo, I got freedom. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can be what I want. I'm, I got this. I got this. But I think it's safe to say we have the freedom of choice because one of my favorite bands growing up, the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, <laughs> love that band, actually how I learned how to sing. One of their lyrics says that every action in this world has a consequence. Every action in this world has a consequence. So God was showing me that we have the freedom of choice. We get to choose what we say, what we think, and what we do but we don't have freedom from consequences. We don't have freedom from consequences. Now listen, consequences aren't always a bad thing. You know, when I first heard that word, I'm like, consequences are negative. No, it's because my parents were always like, there's going to be consequences for your actions. <laughs> like, which it's true. There will be consequences. So often it's used in a negative term, but consequences are just the result or the outcome of said decision. So what is the result or the outcome of our decisions? Are we making healthy decisions for our lives and therefore bringing good consequences? Or are we making decisions that aren't healthy for us and therefore have unhealthy consequences? So could it be that the consequences of our actions are what really keep us feeling like prisoners? Because I'm not talking about COVID lockdown, all right? I'm not talking politics and news or any of that. I'm talking about our thoughts, our emotions, our desires. Experiencing freedom the way that God intended is actually contingent upon how you choose to use your freedom. It's your choice. Check out what 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 12 says. It's true that our freedom allows us to do anything. But that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. And that's God's heart for us. He's given us freedom. Are we going to choose to walk in it? That's my question, and that's what I want to unpack for us a little bit more today. But before we do, can we pray? Is that okay? 
Awesome. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we just come to you right now. We're excited and expectant for what it is that you want to do. We thank you for the men and women who sacrificed their lives for our freedom. God, I pray that our lives can be an example of how we honor that freedom. God, thank you for giving us that freedom. We fix our attention on you right now. Open our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, do I got a picture I want to show you guys real quick on the screen. Let's see if I'll throw it up. In three, two, one. Oh, wrong one. It's okay. No, it was supposed to be Dean Gordy. It was supposed to be Dean Gordy. How many of you guys in the church know Dean Gordy? Dean Gordy is literally the most fun five-year-old I've ever met in my life. He is a champion. He is a world changer. This kid is seriously going to impact the world for the better. It's going to be amazing. Anybody who knows Dean Gordy is like, ooh, let's go. That kid's a firecracker. Well, I asked permission from Dean's parents, Pastor Scott and Pastor Gurley Gordy, if I could share a story about him because it fits so perfect into my message. And Pastor Gurley walks into the office one day, and she goes, man, you'll never guess what Dean did. I'm like, oh, this has got to be good. This has got to be good. This is going to be great. She's like, well, the kids are home from school. Tyler, his oldest brother, is working and doing homework in the other room, and Scott's upstairs, and he's doing work, and Dean's playing on his iPad, and I told the whole family, like, cool, I'm going to go run errands for 30 minutes, and I'll be right back. First of all, parents who have kids during COVID, you guys are blessed. (laughs) You guys are anointed. But I'm like, man, I'm so thankful that I am single. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, to not have to put up with those little kiddos. Whew, let me tell you. Well, Pastor Gurley comes home after 30 minutes, and she walks into the house, and she notices that there's a couple popsicle wrappers on the floor. And she's like, okay, that's weird, but whatever. She walks into the kitchen and notices there's three, four, five more popsicle wrappers on the floor. She then is like, what the heck, walks further into the kitchen and notices there's like a total of nine popsicle wrappers sitting on the floor, and she's been gone for 30 minutes. She's like, what the heck, Dean, get over here. Dean comes running down, and she's like, what, what happened? And he goes, apparently, I ate it. And that's literally how he talks, and that is how he says, apparently, it's the cutest thing ever. It's amazing. And she goes, who told you that you could have these popsicles? He stops for a second, and he goes, well, apparently, I asked myself, and myself said yes. He asked himself, and himself said, yes, what a legend. I heard this story, and I was like, girly, I am taking that as my life motto. I asked myself, and myself said, yes, I want to go buy some new clothes. I want to go to In-N-Out. Who's going to tell? I'm going to ask myself, and I'm going to say yes to what I want to do. Literally the epitome of Dean Gordy. If there's a life motto, that's what it would be. And I think it's such a cute story when it's a five-year-old who partied with some popsicles. But what happens when we carry that into our adulthood? When the desires that we have go further than just wanting a popsicle? What happens then? You know, when we're teenagers and we're in a relationship for the first time, I asked myself if I could cross that boundary, and myself said yes. Or being exposed to drugs and alcohol. Well, I asked myself and myself said yes. Or as adults going out to dinner, grabbing a drink at the bar, three, four, five later, I asked myself and myself said yes. You know, what happens when this mentality and attitude goes unchecked as we get 
older, I asked myself and myself said, yes, we're conditioned to make decisions based on what will bring us instant gratification. Nobody had to teach Dean that concept. <laughs> he was like, oh, I want some popsicles, and I know I should go ask my, my dad who's upstairs. But no, no one has to teach us that. We're conditioned to make decisions based on what will bring us instant gratification. More often than not, the consequences of acting on impulse results in a moment of temporary fulfillment, but can be followed by guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, regret, and we begin to become a prisoner to the consequences of our actions. Actions that led us instead of us leading them. My first thought for us today is that your body is your servant, not your master. Your body is your servant, not your master. We have freedom. You have the power or right to tell it what to do. It does not get to tell you what to do. So when you have thoughts that are ruminating, thank you, Pastor Carey, for that word that I learned a couple weeks ago. When you have negative thoughts that you're thinking about constantly, you can actually take your thoughts captive. You don't need to be thinking those thoughts. When you have emotions and things that you're feeling, depression, anxiety, fear, you can tell those emotions to follow my lead. You're not going to lead me to the decisions that I'm going to make. The desires that we have, the cravings, the things that we so desperately want, you get to put your desires in check. Otherwise, they're going to check you. If you allow these things to sit in the driver's seat of your life, you'll become a prisoner to them. If I allowed every thought that I've had to dictate my decisions, I wouldn't be here right now. I grew up with a lisp. And for eight years, I had to go to speech therapy. I seriously sounded like Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. I'm not even kidding. The only time that I didn't have a lisp was when I sang, which is why I love music so much. But I got made fun of. I got, kids are mean, man. Man, I got made fun of and bullied all the time as a kid because of my lisp, getting called out of class. I got to go see the speech therapist. And I'm like walking, doing the walk of shame. I'm like, okay, cool. If my thoughts, if I let them lead, I wouldn't be here right now because I'd be too insecure to let anybody hear what it is that God's put on my heart. My emotions and my desires, if I let my emotions and my desires lead, I'd probably be 800 pounds living in a bed of my own tears. <laughs> I have a lot of emotions and I love Del Taco and In-N-Out. Come on, somebody. Listen, if I let those things lead my life, man, it would not be pretty. <laughs> it would not. Look, I don't believe that we can control how it starts, but I do believe we can control how it ends. Thoughts will enter. Are you going to allow them to stay? Emotions will rise. Are you going to allow them to boil up? Desires will call. Are you going to let it ring? Are you going to answer or let it ring? How do you respond? I believe we can control how we respond. Now check out what happens when we allow these things to drive. Now we can put up the picture of Hotel California. Come on. How many of you guys know the song, Hotel California by the Eagles? Yes, that's right. One of the greatest rock songs of all time. It won a Grammy Award. It sold over 16 million copies in the U.S. alone. It was on the Billboard Hot 100 chart for 19 weeks straight, and I don't think it's a coincidence. The writers of the song, the Eagles, caught on to what is currently plaguing American culture. In one interview, they were asked what the true meaning of the song is, and they said it's about the problem with hedonism and self-indulgence in America. 
And because I'm walking with wisdom, I know what hedonism is. I, didn't, I did not have to Google it. <laughs> hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. Sensual self-indulgence. The pursuit of pleasure. Self-indulgence is excessive or unrestrained gratification of one's own appetites, desires, and whims. They had experienced firsthand what life was like when they just pursued their pleasures, when they let their pleasure leave or lead. When they let their pleasure lead, they saw what happened and they found out they were stuck in bondage. Check out some of the lyrics of this song. It says, mirrors on the ceiling, pink champagne on ice. And she said, we're all just prisoners here of our own device. It continues, the last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passageway back to the place I was before. Relax, said the night man, we're programmed to receive. You can check out anytime you'd like, but you can never leave. The entire story of the song is about a guy who was pursuing his pleasure, found the Hotel California, walked in, and it was a utopia. It was everything he could ever want. It was all of the things that he loved. And then a moment during the song, he says, where's my wife? And they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that here. And he's like, oh, whoa. That's when he snapped out of it for a second and realized he was living in an illusion of freedom. He was in an illusion of what freedom is. That's when he was running for the door. He's like, wait, time out. I, I just realized that I'm a prisoner here, and I want to go back to my family, back to my home. And they're like, hey, you can check out, but you can never leave. Why? Because a prisoner can't set themselves free. A prisoner cannot set themselves free. They need someone to set them free. These are their words, and they weren't even Christian. <laughs> they realized what's plaguing America. People just following their passions or just letting their thoughts and emotions lead them. This is what happens. Well, check out what Galatians 5.13 says. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. That's not a question. We have freedom. God has called us to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. The Bible knows. God knows that when we have freedom, we've got two options. We can use it to walk in freedom or we can destroy our freedom. It's a choice we get to make. It then goes on to say, this is about to get heavy, guys. Y'all, listen, listen up. Here we go. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, an accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Been there. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Been there. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. I don't got that, no. <laughs> Bianca over here is laughing. She's my co-director for students. <laughs> Every now and again, it might come out. An impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival uncontrolled or uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies, and I could go on, is what the writer says. Are you guys encouraged yet? Awesome. Enjoy your freedom this weekend, guys. Yeah, I hope you guys love it. No, listen, I promise there is hope in this message, but I think we have to realize, first of all, 
that some of the decisions that we make might be what are keeping us in bondage. What decisions do you feel like you're making that might be actually keeping you in bondage, that have consequences that are actually holding you and tying you down? Your body is your servant. Do not let it be your master. I wonder if this is why we live in the land of the free, but we still have laws in place. And that leads me to my second thought here. God does not control us. He protects us. God does not control us. He protects us. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is it's found in Exodus. It's the story of Moses when he's leading God's people out of slavery For 400 years, God's people were living in slavery. They were crying out to God, God, free us. We're done with this. God heard their prayers. He heard their cry, and he sent a Savior to go lead them out of slavery and into the promised land where they could have freedom. And one of the first things that God does is give them the Ten Commandments. Why? Oh, no one likes rules. No one likes some laws. No one likes boundaries. Why would God give them the Ten Commandments or rules for living in a free life? A lot of people struggle with hearing that we have rules to live by, but if they understood the rules aren't meant to control you, they're meant to protect you, they might see God differently. They might see God a little differently. Listen, when I was 15 years old, uh, I had decided to take my parents' car for a joyride. And uh, listen, all you teenagers in the room, do not try this at home, kids. I promise you, your parents will outsmart you. I was 15 years old. I had a permit but no license. My parents were going out of town for three days. And man, I was so excited for them to go out of town. They put their keys up by the front door, and they're like, son, we have one rule. Do not take the car. And I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm a straight-A student. I would never do that. I really was. I was a smart kid. Like, I'm going to be studying all weekend. What are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to take the car, relax. And they're like, okay. So they leave. They go out of town. And anybody who knows my mom, oh, my goodness, Mom, I love you. She should have been a crime scene investigator because she notices every detail, every speck of dust, every fingerprint in our house. One of my best friends is over here right now. Listen, my mom would recognize if it wasn't our fingerprint, but somebody else's. She was like, who was in my house right now? I'm telling you, she is so detailed, and it's a little scary when you're young. But I knew if I was going to take the car, I have to outsmart her. So how am I going to do this? I get my phone, I start taking pictures of the inside of the car, I take pictures of the rearview mirror, I take pictures of the way that the steering wheel is positioned, the tires on the ground, I mark the driveway so I know exactly the way, the position that the car was in. I wanted to make sure I had all of my bases covered if I was actually going to do this. And so I did, and let me tell you, it was the best three days of my 15-year-old life. Oh, man, I went to go visit friends. I went through Del Taco drive-thru. I was all, it was the greatest thing living in three days of freedom. And then I come back home. I put the car back exactly the way that it was to a T. I'm not kidding you. I probably spent like two hours putting the car back. And my parents come home. They walk into my room, and I'm studying like a good kid. They're like, did you take the car? I'm like, no. They're like, okay, awesome. Are you sure? I'm like, Yeah. I was studying. I got finals coming out. Why would I do that? Like, I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you take the car? And I'm like, no. Mom and dad, I didn't take the car. Why? 
I am appalled you think of me like that. <laughs> Offended. They then proceeded to take their phone out and, take, and show me the picture of the odometer from before I left and after I got back. The one thing that I did not think of. The one thing that I did not think of. If I had even thought about the odometer, I would not have taken the car at all. But listen, listen. <laughs> Mom, you're good. You're really good. Man, I just got smarter over the years now, so watch out. <laughs> but my parents gave me that rule because my mom actually has worked in car insurance for over 30 years. She used to bring home case files of inexperienced drivers and what had happened when they drove when they weren't supposed to or people who were under the influence. We would see pictures and hear stories of what would happen when people got in accidents because they weren't prepared or they shouldn't have been driving. So my mom, every single day they were gone, were praying, hoping, and pleading, do not take the car, but they wanted to trust me. So they allowed the keys to be there. But I betrayed that trust. Listen, my mom gave me that rule to protect me, not to control me. It was all about protection. I don't want my son to get hurt. I don't want anyone else to get hurt. I'm going to put this rule here to protect him. And I defied it. Listen, that's exactly the way that God is as a father. The rules that we have are not to control us at all. He's not a God who's playing a global Sims game, trying to control every aspect of our lives. No, he's a God that is protecting us. He doesn't want us to suffer from the consequences of our actions. The consequences of my actions for three days of freedom was like three years of being grounded. And I wish that was a joke, man. Listen, I was grounded all the time. Again, ask my best friend over there. It's, it's not even... That's not even a joke. Well, I love this quote. It says, what feels like rejection is often God's protection when you're heading in the wrong direction. When God says no, when we get told no, often it's his protection because he sees something that we don't see. He's protecting us from something that we don't even know is coming. But man, if you've ever seen a kid in a candy store who got told no, man, temper tantrum city. <laughs> We're no different. Let's be real. When we get told no, instant pity party. I'm pissed. I'm mad. Why did I get told no? God doesn't control us. He protects us. So again, it's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Well, this is great, David. Then what am I supposed to do with my freedom? This is fantastic. What am I supposed to do with it? The verse continues, and it says, Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. What would happen if instead of being selfish, we started becoming selfless? Instead of being selfish and feeding everything that we want, we became selfless and started thinking of the other people in our world. My last thought is serve others more than you serve yourself. Man, I started this by talking about what this world would be like. It'd be, it'd be madness and chaos if everyone used their freedom to do whatever they want to do all the time. 
But what would this world be like if everybody chose to serve the person next to them, to love the person next to them? You know, what would the relationships in your life look like with your spouse if instead of trying to get what you want all the time, you thought of your spouse and vice versa? What about our friendships? If we were thinking of our friends more than we thought of ourselves and we, we served them, man, that's how love grows. That's how freedom grows. And that's God's heart for us. Man, talk about experiencing an abundant life, a life filled with joy. What if we start serving others more than we serve ourselves? But I think it's so interesting how everything around us is called a feed nowadays. Instagram feed, Twitter feed, news feed. We're constantly in a feed of some sort, and we're learning to just feed ourselves all the time. It's become habitual. Feeding myself knowledge, feeding myself the good feelings, feeds, feeds, feeds. But studies have shown that serving others actually releases feel-good chemicals in your brain. And this is often referred to as the helper's high. One article states that there's evidence that during giving behaviors, humans secrete feel-good chemicals such as serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. When you look at functional MRIs of subjects who give and serve others, scientists have found that giving stimulates the reward center in the brain, releasing endorphins and creating what is known as the helper's high. Why does our body naturally do that? Why does it naturally release these chemicals and endorphins? I believe it's because when we're serving and giving back, we're actually acting just like Jesus. Every single one of us are made in God's image. We are designed the way that he is designed. We are modeled and molded after him. So if God does it, if Jesus does it, we're called to do it too. And check out what Matthew 20, 28 says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. It then goes on to say, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He understood that his time here was to serve others and to give back to others. When we feel stuck and in a prison, when we feel like prisoners, we can't break free on our own. We need someone to come set us free. And that's exactly what Jesus did. When he went to the cross and laid down his life for us, he set us free. We get to walk in freedom because of his sacrifice. One of my favorite stories in the Bible as I wrap up here is the story of the prodigal son. And Jesus is telling a story of a father who has two sons. And one son is like, Dad, give me everything that I'm owed. Give me all the money that I have. Give me my inheritance. I want to go off and do all the things that I want to do. And so he goes off and he splurges and he spends all of this money. All of a sudden he's poor and realizes that, what did I just do? He's living and eating with the pigs. He's like, man, I got to go back to my father. I have to go back to him. He loved me. He cared for me. So he goes running back to his father. And more often than not, we would think that a father would be really disappointed, really upset, really angry. You did this. This was your decision. Why would you do that? No, the father in this story 
is standing there with arms wide open, ready to embrace his son, ready to love his son. Just hold him and say, son, it's okay. It's okay that you've made mistakes. It's okay that you've made decisions outside of what I told you was best. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to throw shame or guilt on you. I'm here to embrace you and love you and care for you. Welcome home. And that's exactly what God is saying to us right now. Look, every single service we do this, we give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Why? Because it is the greatest decision that you could ever make, saying yes to Jesus, believing that he laid down his life and trusting him. So we're going to do that today in a moment. I feel like there are people here in this room who have never begun that journey with Jesus, never said yes to him, and have never fully, truly experienced the freedom that God has. They've been living in this illusion of it. There's no shame in that. We've all been there. I've done it. There are other people in this room who might have said yes to Jesus once before, but have gone off, run, and done their own thing like the prodigal son and are now ready to come back. Either way, God is saying, I'm here, and I love you, and I care for you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to invite those of you in this room who need to start that journey. I want to invite those of you in this room to repeat this prayer after me in the quietness of your own heart. And those of you who may have prayed this prayer a long time ago, but need to pray it again. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If that's you, and this resonates with you in the quietness of your own heart, would you just repeat these words after me? Just say, God, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.